0: all relatively small countries, that they'd managed to do trade deals, each of them, with countries with bigger GDPs than the European Union had managed. But of course, I mean, who was I? I was just some knuckle-dragging idiot that wanted to take, take Britain back to the 1950s.
1: Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, we had a flurry of trade news coming out over the last few weeks. We had, first of all, trade deals with Norway, Iceland and Liechtenstein, but then it was the big one, the first. Well, I'll let you explain why the deal with Australia was so important.
0: Yeah, well, doing a deal with EFTA wasn't wholly surprising. You know, after all, we founded EFTA. We founded it the year before the other mob founded the EEC. So that wasn't a great surprise. And they're you know, relatively small countries, but look, it's a good thing that it's been done. But Australia, yeah, very interesting, because when I debated Nick Clegg, you know, two public debates when he was Deputy Prime Minister in 2014, Clegg said over and over, you have to have the clout of being part of a big club to negotiate trade deals, because nobody would care about you if you were small. And Obama said the same thing. You know, when Obama intervened in the referendum, he pretty much said, look, the EU is this wonderful, great big place. You're just a little tiddly island and you go to the back of the queue. Truth of it is, a bilateral deal between two countries, especially when they speak English and have common law and similar contract law and very similar social standards, it's much easier, a one-on-one negotiation rather than a bureaucrat negotiating on behalf of, as it was then, 28. And I've been pointing out for years that if you look at Chile, you look at Switzerland, you look at South Korea, you look at Singapore, all relatively small countries, that they've managed to do trade deals, each of them, with countries with bigger GDPs than the European Union had managed. But of course, I mean, who was I? I was just some knuckle-dragging idiot that wanted to take take Britain back to the 1950s. And we have proved it. Not only can you do these deals, but you can do them much quicker. took the EU and Canada seven years to do a deal. We've done one with Australia in the space of a few months. And it's going to mean cheaper booze. It's going to mean that Shiraz, coming in from Oz, will be at least a pound a bottle cheaper than it currently is. Uh, What I also like is, you know, when I was younger, you'd go and get your hair cut in London, and it would be an Australian, a Kiwi, a South African, and that all finished. Because as we opened the door up to Eastern Europe, uh, we kind of damaged our relations with the rest of the world. So we're gonna see a lot more students going back and forth between Australia and here, and vice versa. And that culturally, I think is a good, healthy thing as well. So it just proves that Brexit Britain, looking after her own trade policy, can do a damn sight better, them being part of the European Union. And, you know, Liz Truss, I don't know what she knows about trade, but she's she's the person in charge of it. And, you know, at a moment like this, you have to say, well done.
1: A lot of my friends are lawyers in Australia, and they've almost all done a bit of time in the UK, in London, and that's been made a lot easier under this trade deal, at least that's my understanding. What was yes. a load of bureaucratic nonsense has, has become a bit, bit more of a free-flowing system and vice versa, of course. But Nigel, I was told by Andrew Adonis that all of this is impossible, that we don't even have the trade negotiators to do the negotiating. So how's it happening?
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, we have a competency gap. And of course, I mean, there is some truth in this, in that, you know, Brussels didn't negotiate trade, uh, sorry, the UK didn't negotiate trade deals for almost half a century. But hey, we understand the principles. You know, it's not that difficult. Um, and of course, the big one is the USA, although... You know, Biden is not quite as friendly towards us as as the Donald was. And interesting that out of the G7, in terms of trade with the US, nothing concrete came out whatsoever. I put a suggestion in to number 10. I didn't use my name, of course, because they can't stand me, but I put a suggestion in. When it came to this exchange of gifts, that what Boris gave Joe Biden was a bottle of Scottish whiskey. And I thought a bottle of scotch would have been a great symbol that, you know, we're up for doing business, but I'm afraid I wasn't listened to. So America may be sticky, but in terms of what we want to do around the rest of the world, we've got these couple of deals under our belt, and there is so much else that we can
1: do. You mentioned hospitality workers there. The Sunday Times calculated that uh, hospitality wages in the UK have gone up 18% over the last year, which is a huge surge, obviously partially driven by COVID. But on Tuesday in our meeting, you pointed out that this is is an interesting element of both the Brexit debate, but also for UK productivity going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a a, a couple of very important points here. I mean, you know, the first thing to say about this is there have been during the pandemic, some people returning to Central and Eastern Europe. Not vast numbers, but there have been some. Uh, you've also got furlough, which kind of complicates things a little bit. But I remember during the referendum, Sir Stuart Rose uh, was in charge of the Remain campaign, did a BBC interview in which he was asked, well, you know, if the Farage vision of Britain came about, would that not mean that workers' wages would rise? And he said, yes but I don't think that would be a good thing. Now he actually said that, uh, as if to prove that Remaining was all about big bosses, big business, big money, and to hell with everybody else. And after that, they, 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 they sort of hid Stuart Rose in a cupboard for the rest of the referendum campaign. But we are beginning to see some of that. Um, and yes, with it, we'll get productivity rises. What the UK did for 20 years nearly was we went for the cheapest possible source of labour. We imported it from wherever we could chiefly Europe, but not just. And what we saw were our productivity levels falling to the floor and falling below the French. One other very interesting thing that's going on at the moment, there is a shortage of HGV drivers, a genuine shortage of HGV drivers. And you've got uh, farms in Devon and Cornwall struggling to get some of their produce to market. Why is this? Because once again, you know, we went for this race to the bottom in terms of getting the cheapest possible drivers from all over the world. And rather than saying to some of our youngsters, you know, get qualified as an HGV driver. It may not be the most glamorous job on earth, but you know what? It pays pretty good and the work is there all the time. Uh, But no, we've sent them all off to get degrees in psychology and sociology and goodness knows what else. And so I think not only are we going to see increases in productivity, but I hope we're going to see young British people learning trades and skills rather more than ologies. And I think that process is now beginning
1: because they'll be incentivized to do it with the higher wages and that's- Higher
0: wages, absolutely, absolutely.
1: The other big piece of news this week was all about the Federal Reserve suddenly acknowledging that in fact, inflation might not be so transitory after all.
0: Yeah, well it's 5% in the USA and rising fast. There are signs of the economy perhaps overheating uh, in some areas because despite growth, despite inflation, Biden is still just pumping in the trillions in the most extraordinary way. And you're right, the Fed are now admitting that interest rates may have to go up. And that's had a very strange effect on one particular investment, which is gold. Yeah, so normally gold is a great place to be during a period of inflation. Uh, and yet, because the prospect of rising interest rates means potentially people can put their money into something and get a guaranteed yield, we have seen some liquidation in the gold market. I, I kind of suspect, Nick, that our, our recognition of what's happening with inflation, I kind of feel we're ahead of the pack and ahead of the markets on this. And I don't think it's anything to worry about. But what do you think?
1: Well, there's this old phrase of, is the Federal Reserve going to be behind the curve? The idea being that inflation will rise more than interest rates. So even though it might look like they're tightening monetary policy by increasing interest rates, if inflation is surging ahead even faster than they're tightening, then on on the net effect, they're not actually tightening at all. And this is one of the reasons why the US housing bubble grew so big, in my view, that the Fed was behind the curve in the lead up to that, that housing bubble. And so there's a the possibility of that repeating again. And I think that's the likelihood because they're going to struggle to raise interest rates given the amount of debt that everyone's taken on during the COVID crisis.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, if, if, if interest rates rise too far too fast, uh, then government has a problem given its vast amounts of borrowing at the moment. Uh, but equally... You know, a lot of struggling businesses who've taken out loans during this period would also be hammered. And of course, the last thing anyone wants is the spectre of the 2008-9, you know, mortgage crashes uh, taking place as well. So now I'm with you. I think that inflation will outstrip any rise in interest rates and that and that whatever short term liquidation we see in gold, it's still the right place to be.